0: Hi everybody, this is Greg and before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to two of our sponsors. The first is a company very close to my heart, WNR Studios. They're the makers of the Cloud Agent Suite. Their flagship product, Cloud CMA, is used by more than 400,000 real estate professionals across the country. They recently announced reaching a new milestone of publishing over 10 million CMAs. That's a lot. Cloud MLX, their front end of choice solution, recently won Inman News' Most Innovative Technology Award and has crossed over 200,000 MLS members under site license. That's a lot too. You can find out more at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce the Red Dot, a premium monthly report from the notorious one, Rob Hahn. The Red Dot is a monthly subscription providing an in-depth report focusing on a single key issue each month. Each issue will have an executive summary, a research and analysis, and more importantly, action items. The first report was amazing. I, I really mean that. It was on uh, photos and licensing and such. And this is money well spent if you are in any uh, leadership role in organized real estate. And again, I really love the way this is laid out because with the executive summary, you can really get a quick hit of what this report is about. Later on, you can come back to the research analysis and then you can have some action items to, to bring to your board or your, your company. Anyway, please sign up at notorious rob. Dot com forward slash premium. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if we have any listeners that are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and now on with the show.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. This is Rob, your co host. Greg, are you there?
0: Hola, Rob. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fuck, dude, you can't make me laugh that much. I've got like a throat, like you know, issue going on over here. <laughs> Sexy voice, yeah. Sounds yeah. Like, cars. A or girl. Something. Was, all of a sudden, there was a girl on my line.
0: <laughs> Octaves there. Huh?
1: <laughs> all right, as uh, you mentioned, kind of in our last episode, you know, I wasn't at Inman. I will be there next year because they're moving it out of the tenderloin, but I have told Brad, you know, for years that I cannot go to that conference as long
0: as it's in that part of San Francisco, but you were- along with 7,000 other people That's that right. didn't have your concern, so- That's right. And I'm glad <laughs> to see
1: you're alive and uninfected as far as we know. Before we get into, I mean, what, what, what my, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I just, I just want to know, like, were my concerns overblown? San Francisco has been in the news, man. Like, some Chicago medical association, you know, canceled their event. I mean, was it? Was it fine?
0: Oh yeah, it's always fine. I love San Francisco. It's like my favorite city. So you're you're asking the wrong person.
1: Even that part of town. So there are no needles, no you know, human waste on the streets. No, that's all
0: overblown. <laughs> Obviously, there's a homeless issue there, and, and everywhere, unfortunately. It's nothing that I felt like threatened by or too threatened by. I mean, it's, you know, it's a tragedy, really.
1: It is a tragedy. You know, it's just I want to uh, feel bad from a distance. Um, (laughs) But I know it's moving to Las Vegas, so I will most likely be there next year, which is kind of cool. So, uh, I know there's a couple of things that happened, but any other interesting cool stuff, you know, about Inman? Like, just give us a 30-second overview of your Inman San Francisco
0: experience. I gotta say, you know, maybe the most attended of all of them. I mean, it was just huge—tons wow. of people, tons of you know exhibits, different areas there, and good quality content. I love the way that they did this kind of like almost like it was the view in a sense, where okay, they had yeah. a, a panel of people that would come up and talk to issues, and they would have you know intermittent with like little short kind of fifteen minute kind of talks. Breakout sessions were good. It's becoming more of a place where I can meet with people, so. I can, you know, have people in our suite and talk and talk to customers or potential customers and things like that. Good restaurants, everything else. To me, the theme, the vibe is really this whole traditional brokerage, traditional franchisors, you know, mm-hmm. just feeling the squeeze, you know. Yeah, yeah. And what's going on there, the iBuyer stuff is part of that, the discount broker, just the changing model of what you would regard as a quote-unquote traditional broker has to deal with. Right. Before we kind of dive into that, I'm just
1: curious, like, did Josh from Trelora did he have bodyguards with him or was it like?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, um, this is the guy that claimed he had a brick thrown through his window or something. Oh, I yeah, yeah. And yeah. like
1: 700 letters and emails from brokers yeah. in his market, like threatening him and stuff like that. I was like, yeah. and you know, look, the guy is sort of, you know, he's ready to fight. You know, he ain't backing down. So, I was like, that's cool. I wonder what it was like afterwards, you know. Like once he got off the stage. Not Uh, really, no. No, real stage, real polite. (laughs) Obviously, the big, you know, speaker, right? I think it was the first time he's ever spoken there was Gary. Uh, Right. You know, I had written about it, you know, after watching the video. I made sure to do that this time. You were there. Were you like there live when he was speaking? For part of it, yeah. What
0: was it like? It was a nervous tension. Okay. You know, and it was. It was great theater, basically. I mean, it was just, you can't plan for those types of things to happen at a show. You know, he was standing up and kind of doing this lecturing thing and right. and Brad was deadpanning and yeah. at some points, I think, sincere about trying to engage with him, but it was clear he wasn't really there to engage in a sense, right? Was he there just to poke him and like get him to re- react? <sighs> I'm not sure what Gary's kind of plan was there. He wanted the stage, I think, is what he wanted. I mean, Brad. I like, got, was Brad's oh, plan
1: to, like, poke Gary and, you know, get a rise out of him?
0: I don't know. I mean, if you go back and look at it, I mean, Brad didn't do much talking. No, that's true. Right? Yeah. Gary did most of the talking there. So he'd insert some things in there, and, and you can argue whether those were to egg him on or anything else. But I think, at one sense, if you just let that person go, it's going to be. Better than anything you could add to it, right? <laughs> it reminded me of, and like, I certainly don't want to make this a personal comparison, but I just watched this movie about the uh, Frost-Nixon debates, right? Okay, yeah. And what they were talking about at the end of that was a kind of like a recap of like, the power of the camera, in a sense, and the close-up, in the sense of what it reveals. Right. Right. David Frost, you know, he could ask a question, but the way that Nixon responded to those questions and you saw his face and you saw his mannerisms, everything else revealed so much Mm -hmm. that you really didn't even need anything else. To me, the kind of posture, the way he talked and the inflections on both sides really kind of, I think, revealed to me a lot. Okay. What did it reveal to you? That's the obvious question. I think he's a little scared. Gary Keller is. Right. Yes. Huh. Okay.
1: So here's the important question that I, there's no way to get an answer to just by watching the you know recordings. Do you think he convinced the room, Gary Keller? Did he convince the room? Right. In other words, like forget the mannerisms and the fighting and the whatever, right? I mean, he came in with an argument about the future of the industry, about where it needed to go. You know, I've always said from the beginning, I think if Gary has identified the problem. I just don't agree with the solution.
0: But did he convince the room? I don't think he convinced the room. I think, first of all, you're talking about an Inman conference. Yeah. So you're going to talk about these are more tech forward, you know, leaning towards a crowd, not, you know, well, there's a lot of traditional agents there also, but I think they're looking for the future. They're looking for the newest thing. You can hear some definitely some cheers to some of his points, but the whole room, no, no. I think, again, everybody's caught up in the theater of it. Okay. The, more the mess- content.
1: Maybe the message was a little bit lost then, you know, the actual what he was arguing about. You know, the agent enabled tech versus tech enabled agent. All yeah, that I stuff. think
0: he did a better job with that really at the first one, right? The one at his convention right. of laying things out. I mean right. these two people on stage with just this just awkward, right? <laughs> but it makes for great theater, great yeah. conference content. Great conference <laughs> quotes, yeah,
1: absolutely. Okay. So I think the substantive thing that we can kind of delve into is kind of this notion that Gary's put forth, right? And again, I have already taken some differences of opinion as to the solution, but you know the idea that technology is really where everything is, right? That a brokerage, a company, you know, that you have to own your own tech, right? that you have to create a platform. I think Gary even called it like an innovation platform, right? Platform for innovation.
0: Right. Cloud-based um, or
1: whatever. Right, with the cloud and AI and data, but the whole notion is that you have to have this platform for innovation. Okay, so that's basically his main point. You know, and he's saying that KW is going to create that platform. They're the only ones who can create that platform, they're the only ones who will be on time for creating that platform. Obviously, there are some people who disagree with that. I would count myself among that number. I want to raise it with you because you were called out by Mr. Inman himself. As the underdog that he's betting on in this real estate tech platform race. Can we talk about this for a minute? Sure. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so my first question is, do you agree with Brad that you are a real estate tech platform? You here meaning w and Studios, your company, you know, and your flagship product, Cloud CMA, but you have a lot of things other than that. Is that actually your goal? Do you want to be the real
0: estate tech platform? platform could mean a number of different things, right? I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, for different industries can be different things. I mean, what we've always kind of said to ourselves or what we've been trying to do is take core applications of a real estate agent, which mostly are on the MLS, you know, searching for listings, um, making reports from listings, communicating, you know, changes in the market to consumers. I mean, generating business and, and that's all part of what our cloud agent suite is about. So, we're basically taking these kind of stodgy, old, antiquated, kind of enterprisey software, which these traditional MLS systems are all about, and bring them into the future, right? We've been just executing on that, right? When you kind of take a step back, and we started looking at this kind of iBuyer market and different things, and we looked at how successful we were on one particular portion of this, as it relates to the kind of iBuyer phenomenon, we discovered we were making 260,000 CMAs a month, or... Not we, but you know, everybody, you know, our customers. clients, our yeah. subscribers, yeah. right? And yeah. you know, shit, that's a lot of reports, right? If you consider that there's five million homes sold within a year, right? When you look at that, I think the word we were using internally was kind of we had a network, right? Mm-hmm. And there was never a place in time where you had this aggregation of people making an application that was basically valuing this widget to connect to a network of people who wanted to buy widgets. In this case, it was real estate, right? So when we took a step back and we looked at that, we said, holy crap, I mean, this has some legs. So I never looked at it as a platform for the entire real estate process. I mean, those are kind of like, to me, that's like a transaction management type of solution that walks mm-hmm. you through escrow and everything else. But I think in the narrow sense of, as Brad talked about them, I mean, what's the point of real estate, but to kind of sell homes, He Mm -hmm. kind of narrowed it down there. This could be a a very, very efficient platform to do that. And to us, it was always key to keep the realtor involved in that, right? So on that narrow sense that he's saying, I think it actually could be a platform. I'd love to see this turn into a person does a cloud CMA. They're presented with a screen that says, a message that says, hey, this qualifies for a cash offer. Next screen Mm -hmm. is kind of like a progressive insurance. Here are a list of five offers. Okay. Choose one. In that right. sense, we could have institutional companies like a Zillow or an OfferPad or Open Door be on that list. Mm-hmm. It could be a local investor. You know, maybe some flipper locally just wants to peruse in there. I mean, think about how Zillow mm-hmm. does their business, right? There's three agents up there, right, on that screen, right. along with the listing agent. So there could be a similar type of model for in the method that we're doing things to allow the i buyers, the bigger i buyers to participate and the agent. And I think that's great. I think that's key. A lot of people don't like me to hear this, but you know, to me it kind of democratizes this whole iBuyer concept. I mean, then do you agree with Gary that you need AI and data and you need a cloud? Do you know what I mean? In order to be a platform? I think when you look at technology today, it is all going towards cloud based, right? I mean, March stuff is right. called cloud CMA, cloud Age Suite Cloud everything right so right
1: but I thought that was just a name I didn't think that you guys were like all into like cloud computing as your core identity
0: well uh, you know do you know the origin of the word cloud came from in this regard no so when engineers were trying to explain to people the internet. They would kind of draw on a whiteboard. They'd like, okay, here's a person here on one side of the whiteboard. And they would put another on another side of the whiteboard. They'd say, here's a person here. And they would connect through the internet. And the way that they represented the internet was a picture of the cloud. So they would draw a cloud. So to me, in that traditional sense, what cloud means is internet. When Gary's saying that, I think most technologists, when they say cloud, they're just another word for internet. That's what I'm assuming Gary's talking about when he's talking about putting it in the quote unquote cloud. Now, if you're talking about AI... It depends on your definition of AI, right? So I know that a lot of these companies like, you know, Zillow with their estimates, that's a form of AI slash machine learning, all these ABMs. Right. For us, we're not doing anything like that. All we are is a person that is like, it's a feature of cloud CMA that helps an agent connect with, as their name implies, cloud investor connect, connect them with an investor that has that ability. That's nothing more. We're not involved in the transaction at all other than just choosing an investor. Right. So
1: let me dive into this a little bit, only because you know I'm curious, and Mm -hmm. maybe this will bore you know our listeners to tears, in which case I apologize. But you know Gary's big thing was all about owning the data, right? right? Well, him owning the data. Well, him owning the data on behalf of his hundred eighty thousand agents or whatever, right? But owning the data, and you know he was really big on you don't want to use bolt-on technology, right? And then sort of split the data ownership. The thing about you guys is, as far as I knew. You are essentially functioning forever as essentially just like a nicer, better front end to the MLS data. Right. Is that no longer the case? Like, do you guys do your own data? Do you collect your own data? Do you have your own proprietary data set that is outside of whatever the MLS has?
0: No, that's a great question. I mean, we've always been known to blend data. So we're gonna take the let's say we're making a report for a buyer. We'll take the MLS information, the properties that are for sale. But we'll also blend in what are the closest restaurants and what their Yelp rating is. Right. So okay. you know, the reports kind of give a three sixty view of what the buyer might be looking at. You know, what is the best pizza right. place there, closest to this home? We also have information from like great schools. We blend their school information into with our buyer reports. So But you don't own any of that data, right? I mean that's Yelp data, that's school no, data. It's that's just it's somebody else. It's
1: deal. the open web. It's APIs. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of what I was hoping to hear. So let's talk about this notion of data ownership. I mean, you know you've just laid out a, a future in which maybe Cloud CMA or you know cloud platform or whatever you you know you want to end up calling it, you could actually be in the running for a quote real estate tech platform, but you don't actually have any of your own data. You don't have any of your own proprietary data.
0: Is that not correct? I feel like that's correct. It's listing data. It's the MLS's data or the broker who, you know, we could have the argument of who owns that listing data, but it's coming directly from the MLS, correct? Right.
1: And or from Yelp or Great Schools or some other data provider. Correct. So what does that vision of the platform look like? In other words, there's two different visions here, if you will. You have the Gary Keller vision, which says you have to have control and own the data. And then you have to layer AI and machine learning on top of it and own the innovation platform And build your own software because, you know, relying on bolt on third-party software, you lose. And then you've got your vision, which is, I don't even know if you're claiming that you're a platform or not, but you're essentially saying it's not about data ownership. It's about like data aggregation, data blend. Yeah, blend. And there's like a very specific word. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like where WNR Studios doesn't generate your own data. You don't collect any metadata. You don't capture any of that data yourself. You're just blending the data that's out there
0: and weaving it together. Like those are two different visions, aren't they? You know, is Gary not going to integrate MLS data? I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's one of the. Yeah, big I mean, I, I think he, let's he say he probably doesn't. should. I mean, if he's going to do any sort of comps or anything, he's going to need other data than just his own listings, right? So that's right up the top. And then when you talk about, they're going to have their own proprietary stuff. That stuff is nonsense. And this was just brought up recently. If you look at okay. Compass. And they're building their own technology stack, right? Or they have their own yeah. technology. Well, they're using other third-party apps to build their technology stack. It's not all written by their own developers. And I'm certain that's going to be the case with Gary. He's not going to build his own you know, network operations center, right? He's not going to build his – I mean, it's just ridiculous to say this is all owned or created by us, right? They might be the ones, the vendors that sign the contracts with these other vendors, but it's not all going to be proprietary that they've made that, right? You know, Amazon, I mean, until kind of recently, they didn't own all the products on their site. Zillow doesn't own all the houses on their site, but, you know, some consider them a platform. So I don't know if it's like that crazy to say you can't be a platform unless you own everything. I don't even know if you're, you're saying that.
1: I don't know if I'm saying that or not, but it's almost like there's two different approaches to platform. I feel like there is a proprietary approach you know, that I'll call sort of the Gary Keller vision of the world, which is you have to own your own data. Maybe you supplement it with other data, right? Like the MLS or whatever, or great schools or whatnot, but you need to actually have and own this giant pool of data. And then there's the other vision, which is kind of yours, which says we don't need to own the data. We just need to weave it together and then make it useful and functional to the end user. I think those are a little bit different.
0: Yeah, I don't know if that's What's mine. Int- I mean, it's almost like what Zillow did, right? They're adding transparency, I should say, to homes, right? Where their first site was just all the homes with his estimate on it, right? right? Which you but previously, there was nothing out there that had, they didn't own that data, right? It was just they here's were the difference. adding a layer to it that kind of made it more of a heuristic kind of approach, really.
1: Right, but the difference is Zillow at this point actually collects and generates its own data. For example, and this came up but in it's the iBuyer like conversation. Move? Those
0: are really small portions. No, of no, 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 of... no.
1: No, I'm talking about like this came up in the whole iBuyer conversation. Zillow knows that you know 100,000 people in this zip code, what their search patterns are. Zillow knows that these 5,000 right. people have signed up for an alert when this type of property hits the market. Right. That is Zillow proprietary specific data. Right. And again, I don't know that you guys collect it. It's not like you guys collect, maybe you do, you know, collect a whole bunch of data on agents use uh, these 17 houses the most, you know, in doing a comp, right? Or comp activity is highest in the month of April, right? right? Like that kind of metadata, like that's your data, that's proprietary data. Now, Zillow has data that actually gives them an edge in something like iBuyer, right? Because they have a really decent pulse of what the buyer demand looks like. And once you know the Zillow offers thing goes wide and it goes national, I think they're going to start having a pretty good idea what the seller demand might look like as well. All of that is going to be proprietary data that their system spits out. You know, Zillow I think could kind of go down that Gary Keller sort of mindset, which is like we have this giant pool of data that allows us to create a platform and innovate on top of you know, our data and our technology and so on and so forth. And they'll allow other people to come in and play in our sandbox, and we will charge them rent to do that. Versus your approach, which is data is everywhere, right? There are data owners want to share the data. It's a matter of paying rent to those data owners, maybe, if you will. But the real value is going to be in blending all that together, pulling all this different data together, and creating something new for your customers. I mean, that's a different vision, if you will, of that. That makes sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, I (laughs) have thought on that high level. I mean, really, there's two sides of this that I look at. Our company mission has always been make the agent look awesome in front of their clients, right? And that can be, you know, in a host of different ways, listing alerts, reports, whatever, right? Right. So on that side, again, when we talked about this in the last episode, we think that, I mean, we do CMAs. Those are presented at a listing presentation, right? So we want to improve that kind of listing presentation right so right. I think a kick-ass experience for a seller and both an agent is that if the agent walks into a listing presentation and says hey I've done this full analysis of your home and the market here's a great mm-hmm. CMA and I think if we go to market this is what I think we can get and also, right. I know that some of my clients, they're concerned about timing and convenience and, right. and everything else. And you know, boom, baby, I've also brought a cash offer with me as well. Right. Those types of things are important to you. And right. I think that is a kick-ass experience for the agent. It might help them get that listing, even if they don't take the offer. It also is a kick-ass experience for the seller because it's like, wow, this agent is already working for me. So we're really focused on making that experience happen for the agent. On the other side, the investor side, we have two things that I think is important to them. The first thing is high intent, right? Okay. So right, a right. person going to Zillow, you know, they might, hey, let me find out what my house is worth. What Zillow pay for my house. You know, they right. might type something in there and that's way up on the funnel, right? Whereas right, right. with the Cloud Investor Connect, this is a seller that's contacting the agent saying, hey, I'm thinking of selling my house. Could you do a CMA, a CMA or come CMA. on and present it. Yeah. We have that high yeah. intent. The other side yeah. of that is we have high volume. We have yeah. 260,000 of these reports every month that are published from our clients, right? So, yeah. the value proposition for one of these iBuyer, you know, these institutional or local or otherwise is huge because the scale for them can happen almost overnight. We can create any box we want for them or they want like zip codes or price points where they want to focus areas, markets, and all that kind of stuff. So to me, this is just perfect because it goes with our mission of making the agent look awesome, but it also gives these new iBuyers another channel in which to kind of feed the beast, so to speak, right? That's Um, true. I haven't (laughs) thought about blending data or platform or otherwise. If you want to call that a platform, (laughs) great. If you want to call it, you know, all these other things, Dan and I are pretty straightforward guys. It's like, another thing I'll share is like, you know, a couple of years ago, I kind of had this company initiative of like, I wanted to kill the CMA. The thing I was saying to our team was, somebody's going to do it, right? You got Zestimates already. You got AVIs. Is this even necessary going forward? And if we don't kill the CMA, somebody else is, right? I thought back to it. I'm like, you know what? This is kind of killing the CMA. Because if you walk into a listing presentation with a CMA and an offer, Right. right? (laughs) <laughs> what the fuck? Right. And we've been selling CMA software since 99. So it, I mean, you've been at it for a while. Yeah, so I'm it's not an overnight success on this, right? I mean, we are both flattered as hell. And I think Brad sees that kind of notion of it. And he's definitely been a mentor and advised us over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thrilled with it. Whatever label people want to put on it, they can put on it. We think, again, it's just a great experience. And we're also going to be able to provide this new iBuyer phenomenon, another channel.
1: You know, that's kind of interesting, man. So, I got two follow-up questions for you. And this is coming maybe from, on the one hand, Gary, because we talked a lot about KW's entire play. But Remax recently, like in its Q2 earnings call, Remax has come out and really emphasized this notion of like, they want to build a technology platform, right? So, they went out and bought Bouge, right? So the first question, I guess, is this, and I know you're biased on this. <laughs> I know you're biased on this. But whose responsibility is it to provide the tech platform
0: to the agent? Yeah, this is a tough one, right? And again, I recognize your bias, yeah, yeah. right?
1: So, so try to take off your yeah. WNR Studios hat and put on your industry guru, yeah. respected commentator hat. Yeah. Whose responsibility
0: is it to provide that platform? It's been shifting over time as people try to increase their value proposition as their old value proposition has kind of decreased, right? You can talk about associations in this manner, right? We could talk about MLSs in this kind of case, right? We could. Uh, I know from experience, we've been, and I think there's some stats to back this up. We've done deals with franchisors where we're Mm -hmm. providing websites or CRM or things like that. And you know, I think the industry percentage there that I read is between eight and 10% adoption whenever a franchisor, right. you know, implements technology. Right. My experience is right around that because what happens is, is that you build this great platform or whatever you want to call it for the franchisor, and you want to monetize it by selling add-ons to their particular agents. And I call this right. the rule of the golden handcuffs. So you tell your call center team to start calling, let's sell those agent websites or whatever. Right. And right. pretty soon somebody complains. The franchise gets the call and they don't want to jeopardize that relationship. And they say, Hey, you got to stop doing that. And, right. and you're like, You're <laughs> like, wait, that's why we got into this. Why we got into this, that's how we're going to make money. But right. you're stuck with the golden handcuffs in a sense. Right. And some companies are more successful at going into that channel than others, but I've never seen it be that big of a. You know, more than like that 8 to 10% sounds about right. And then especially nowadays, Tom Ferry just did a deal with Contactually and they're going right, to have the Tom right, Ferry CMA. What's yeah. happening is over time, and this was not the case when I joined this business in 1992, software, real estate software is getting better, right? Mm-hmm. Vendors like W&R Studios and Contactually and, you know, some yep. others out there, they're starting to build better quality software. So for the franchisors to compete of a separate division or something, some devs they've got working on to compete with guys like the companies I talked about and what they're doing, it's going to be very difficult for them to get adoption going. Now, as you've written before, companies like Redfin or I guess even Purple Bricks, they're employees. They have to use the internal systems, right? There's so many choices and there's so many good choices now, Rob, that agents Mm -hmm. have anything that these franchisors have got to come up with, it's got to be really good. And some of these solutions out there are getting better and better every day. So that raises the competition up more than it ever has been for these uh, franchisors. So, I mean, long story short, who who's responsible? The franchisor wants to be responsible because they want to, again, increase their value proposition. The brokers right. want to be responsible because they want to increase their value proposition. The MLS wants to be responsible because it increases their value proposition. So. I don't know whose it is, but everybody wants a dog in this fight, for sure. I'm saying who should be, in your mind? Who should be responsible? You know what? I think as long as they're independent contractors, the agents, it's up to them to decide what works best for them.
1: Mm, okay. So ultimately, I mean, again, I think that's fair, given especially your bias on this. Basically, what you're saying is the vendor's responsible. And in a way, like if you are advising, say, Remax, you know, you'd probably be like, you know what? This Boosh thing ain't going to work out for you. Same thing you would tell Realogy, like the Zap platform, it ain't going to work out for you because to your point, it's the agent's own business and well, it's, leave, it, why don't you leave that up to us
0: vendors? Well, it could be. Now, let's talk about it on like a purchasing power. Okay. Yeah. You could do discounts yeah, offers sure. or whatever, I mean, right? Let's work yeah. out some, you subsidize this, right? Do mm-hmm. a poll with the agents. What do majority of people want or use? And how could we kind of supplement? But see, the, but the
1: problem there, Greg, is if I'm a broker, if I'm Realogy, if I'm Remax, right? The problem is- Let's take you guys as a perfect example, right? Cloud CMA is the best of breed out there. I would absolutely do that deal if I could be exclusive, right? But if you're going to do that deal with all my competitors, then really what have I gained? I've gained no competitive advantage. I have no additional value. And obviously from your standpoint as the vendor, like if you want an exclusive, you might as well just buy the company because you got to make it worth my while for all the foregone opportunities, right? It feels to me like this whole emphasis on tech and platform and all this stuff and Remax with Booge and you know Realogy with Zap and you know, Kelly Williams with uh, you know, Kelly and, and all of it, it kind of runs into that problem. So you want to create some technology, some thing that's going to give you some sort of an advantage over your competitors. But then you're alienating like, the vendors, and then you're running into the 8 or 10% adoption rate, and you're running into all of those problems, right? I mean, what am I missing? Well, like
0: I, I think that there's ways of like, without having to be exclusive, you could make these you know, via APIs or some integration where I've always you know, dreamed of, you know, whether it's this company or other companies, of like working with a franchisor that really gave me access to some other of their data points and that we could really integrate their data mm-hmm. that makes them special into that app. And when you have that, you don't really need exclusivity because this is so integrated with their backend system that it feels like it, it mm-hmm. is part of that, right? So it doesn't need to be exclusive, but you know, I think there's opportunities to make it special, right? And unfortunately, Let's a lot on. of these franchisors, they're not really tech organizations and, and some of that stuff does not happen that way, right? So point. I don't I don't think it has to be exclusive, but definitely there's ways of making things special. I mean, hell, I would love to do a, a deal with Reology where we had Cloud CMA integrated with their back end stuff to right. make it really a truly maybe they have their own finance arm or whatever else. I mean, there's right. so many different ways of, of making that special for sure. You haven't talked to those guys yet about this possibility? I've been talking to a lot of people, Rob. Okay. <laughs> Okay,
1: hey, Ryan, <laughs> Mr. Schneider, if you're listening to this podcast, can I recommend you give Greg Robertson a call because uh, he might have something kind of cool for you. All right. So second part of that, and you know, this is contentious, right? And it's this, it's a variation on the first question, which is, does the MLS have a role in that?
0: Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, um... how,
1: why? Because we're talking about competitive advantage and special, unique, whatever. The MLS is the entire market. Because that's really like the conflict between brokers and MLS, right? Say that in the what in the brokers? The conflict between the MLS and brokerages is that brokerages are saying, look, we want to have technology, but you know, it has to give us a competitive advantage. When the MLS does it, all of a sudden, there's no competitive advantage. Well,
0: yeah, that leveling the playing field kind of nonsense. Correct. Correct.
1: You know, But now you and I have been in that space for so many years, and we understand why the MLSs do what they do. So let's ask that question. You know, if we said who should be involved, maybe are the franchisors, maybe they're the brokerages, and maybe the partnership that makes sense is not to shut out the vendors, but to bring the vendors in, grant them special access to like here's a proprietary database, you know, and different types of deals where it's not an exclusive, but it's a special, you know, different experience, if you will. It's a special, unique install when the MLS does it. There can be no special unique install, right?
0: Correct. You know, there's different levels of data access. You can get you get IDX data, you can get a Vow data feed. Right. I mean, Right.
1: So there's Right. But if you integrate deeply into the MLS, then every agent, every broker in that MLS market is going to get the same special, unique MLS version of Cloud CMA. So that really raised the question of should the MLS Play in the platform. Well, game.
0: again, they have to play in the platform game because that's where the inventory is, right? But you know, they don't have to. They could be Yelp,
1: right? They could be great schools. They could be a data source, but they're not the platform,
0: right? In a sense, I think that's where they're going a bit with this kind of front-end of choice notion, right? Where it's like right. we want to be the database and kind of come as you are, right? Whether you're a broker, a vendor, or whatnot, right? So maybe there will always be some monolithic app-like matrix or something else, but Mm -hmm. a lot of them are going towards kind of like a front-end separated from the back-end type of solution. So, they might be going in that way also. But again, to me, the MLS is not going to have what the brokerages or franchise have with their customer database, their social kind of reach or social Mm -hmm. marketing and all the things that makes a brokerage release that they can layer on top of that to make them special. The MLS is going to be kind of just... You know, as I said, the inventory. I think right. for a brokerage or a franchisor to make it special, they have to add their own kind of special sauce. I don't think that special sauce is on the MLS besides inventory. So wait, so give me an answer.
1: <laughs> should the MLS play in the platform game or should they just become a data provider to the platform?
0: They are a platform though now, aren't they? They're a platform they for were. compensation and cooperation.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, but like I said, I mean, you know, even Brad Inman was like, the MLS was a platform, but there are too many of them and they're too outdated and so on. So he's talking about Zillow, Redfin, Keller, and then you guys as the platform. Do you know what I mean? Like, look, our MLS friends are going to listen to this episode and they'd probably be pissed off at both of us, right? <laughs> maybe me more than you, but I'm just pointing out, like, if this is the direction. What is the MLS's role in the platform? If they want to be the platform, then they have to be the one that's providing the technology and the utility and the functionality. If they just want to be a data provider to the platform, like Yelp is or like great schools or, you know, whatever, then they're not the platform.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I said this before, but like it depends on what your definition of platform is in a sense. There can be a data platform, there can be a CRM platform that can work together. I don't know if, you're giving this catch-all phrase a platform to mean, I don't know what it means in your head, but it probably means to our listeners, everybody probably has a different idea what they think a platform is or can be, right? So I'm having some trouble kind of like getting on the same page as you as far as when you mean platform, what you're talking about, right?
1: I think there's a lot of confusion around the word platform, what it means, but You know, like when Brad wrote his thing, you know, it seemed to me that what he was suggesting was like an end-to-end technology and data solution that would help a realtor conduct the business from start to finish and beyond. Right. Right. I mean, that's Keller Williams, that's, you know, Compass, that's, you know, Zillow, that's Redfin. You know, my vote was for Redfin because I'm pretty sure Redfin is end-to-end and beyond. And, you know, them with their employee agency, you know, they have an advantage that no one else has. But from a software standpoint, it's, you know, you're a vendor. You have a potential to become a platform or part of one. One of the big sort of conflict points in the industry right now is whether the MLS should play that role or not. They have forever, forever. I mean, for, you know, decades, the MLS was the platform. It's just as technology has advanced and things have gotten national in scope, you know, there are 700 of them and, you know, and we know the story there. It almost feels like there are elements of the industry that would like the MLS to just be a data provider and stop trying to be the platform. And then there are MLS who say, wait a minute, we were the platform, we are the platform, and we should be the platform.
0: Right. I think CMLS is kind of recent marketing thing is making the market work, right? Which is very platformy, right? right? But I think Brad was saying about us, which is, it might be a platform. And then talking about, if I can quote, consider real estate is a home listing business. And none of the platforms, and he's saying there's multiple platforms, offer a meaningful listing solution. Right. So again, I don't think he's saying this is the right. one all be all, but of the many platforms out there, right? So it's nuancedy for sure.
1: It's nuancy. Here's my takeaway from just talking to you about this, right? At least from your vendor hat perspective. Fact of the matter is that real estate agents run their own businesses. Ultimately it's gonna be their decision. So really This notion that a broker or franchise or a national organization or even an MLS can provide a high value platform seems like that's kind of a fool's errand. That's almost like a bad strategy. You should just leave it up to your agents and kind of figure out what your role is. I mean, that's almost what I'm hearing. And it doesn't matter if Zillow says we have a platform. It doesn't matter because it's still going to be about usage and uptake. The only company that doesn't have this problem is Redfin because they all have employee agents who have to use it. So they could launch a platform, no one else can. I mean, am I mishearing that? Like that seems to be the logical conclusion here.
0: I think what I said was maybe building their own might be a fool's errand, but taking existing technology that are out there and making integrations with what you have as special might be a better okay. better angle. Right. right? Okay. That might be a better um, And not yeah. just like do this. I mean, I think with Mr. Keller, what he it's just a very us and them thing. You know, these vendors aren't your friend. I'm your friend. So give me, 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 (laughs) not them. Right. They're a danger to your health, actually. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know, he's going to have, I guess, realtor on his gravestone, and I'll have vendor on my gravestone. I don't know. Right, or whoever's you know, somebody's gonna have blogger on their tombstone. I don't know. Entrepreneur. I will
1: certainly not have either of those words on my gravestone. Um, you know, there's a lot of
0: phrases out there. No, I mean I believe he's sincere in his thoughts. I understand where he's coming from. I think it's my thing would be fear really. And fear comes from lack of understanding there. I think he's maybe been burned by partnerships in the past, right, which happened. Right with acquisitions or whatnot. But, you know, again, I just think that there's, you know, an opportunity out there. And again, I think the competition is getting far greater. There are better software solutions out there for real estate agents and brokers than there ever was of a deep integration with some of these other platforms, you know, franchisor platforms that could really make things special, right? So the franchisors and the brokers that focus on what can make them you know, Contactually or Remind or Cloud CMA or HomeSpot or whatever special on Mm there with that company. Focus on that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, really when I hear about Bouge and Remax, I mean, are they going to like start aggregating IDX data around the country? Is that what we need? I have no idea. Yeah. But I mean, is that what you really, I mean, has been, there's 17 vendors that do that very well. Right. So they can yeah. say they, I mean, they can't even be a participant in the MLS because they're a franchisor, right? So all this stuff I'm hearing, it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. Again, I think it's just, it's knee jerk a little bit and it's a bit driven by fear.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting to me. And I came to this realization during this call, right? During our recording this podcast, because I, I agree with Gary in the sense that, look, we're transitioning from tech enabled agents to agent right. enable tech. Not just him, but Remax, Realogy, him, MLS
0: is everybody's focusing on the tech. Well, you remember in his column, he had agents and MLS in one column and then the rest on another. So he I think he's already acknowledging MLS is part of the solution for him, right? Maybe. But what I mean is like he's therefore focusing on the
1: tech. Like we need to invest in the tech, right? We need to build our own tech. We need to get a control over the data. It just occurs to me, literally just this minute maybe the issue is that he should have focused on the agent. Do you know what I'm saying? Tech-enabled agent, agent-enabled tech. Well, there's tech, but there's also the agent in that conversation, you
0: know? I mean, that's what he's kind of saying. He's, he wants to have focus on... God, I get confused here. Agents <laughs> enabled by tech, right? Not the opposite. That's essentially what right. he's saying though, right? It's agent. Agent first, not tech first.
1: But what I'm saying is he's trying to control the tech, right? He's trying to build the tech. And I'm thinking maybe the issue here is he should be thinking about controlling right, the agents and agent then finding the right tech out there to the, kind of do that. Yeah. 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 Then here's the thing. The one thing that you guys don't Zillow doesn't MLS is not, like no one else out there controls the agent better than the brokers and franchises. Well that's
0: the thing and we talked about this a long time ago. That's the thing that never got to me about yeah. this is Cal Williams of all the franchise have been known to be kind of agent centric. The training right? This coast-like thing. Why would they give that up and go and become a technology company, right? When really what the path that they were on was absolutely the kind of right path. That's right. That's We've been saying that for a while now.
1: You know, it just didn't sink into me, but it's like, yeah, you know what? If the brokers and franchises, or even MLS as an association for that matter, if they stopped obsessing with tech and kind of value proposition and tech and really started obsessing about the agent half of that equation. You know what I'm saying? Like, focus on the agent piece because that's the part that you control or you have controlled up to this point. And that's the part that the Zillows and the Redfins of the world can't really do anything yeah. about. And that, maybe yeah, that's, and that's the way forward. That's to
0: me, when we started the podcast up, you kept on asking me this platform techie yeah. kind of converse. And I'm like, I was trying to yeah, find, I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. Again, our goal is to make agents look awesome in front of clients. That's where we're coming from. So. All we did with with our tool was, this is going to make them look awesome. I didn't think about how the API works, the investors back in. I mean, it it was none of that. It's like, that's going to be a kick-ass experience. That's going to make the awesome. Again, whether it's a platform or not, it was the farthest from my mind, right? You know, again, I think going to that kind of, how do we make the agents shine here is really a good, as you say, true north, right?
1: The true, true north is the consumer. Right, right. How do we improve their experience? But you're right, there's multiple paths. You do your part, which is the tech, you know, and then maybe the brokers and franchises do their part, which is the agent. That would be a useful way right. of thinking about this, I think. I can't believe we did that on such a nerdy ass topic. What do we that call this? We're going to hear gonna be, about it. I
0: don't even know what the title is, damn but- Platforms, <laughs> platform shoes. Let's call it platform shoes. <laughs> Okay, the first one's the middle, and this one's platform shooting.
1: That's right. <laughs> oh man! Hey, uh, let's wrap up here, I then we beat this topic to its death, to its say conclusion. I think you know you and I should actually have some more conversation about this after we've thought about yeah, it some yeah, more. Absolutely. There's something here, and I don't know exactly know what it is. There's something here. Hey, uh, thanks everybody for listening to us, uh, Yammer. We always appreciate it. If you liked it, Greg, what do they have to go, do? Go, go to on iTunes, iTunes and, what?
0: and give us the highest rating it can. Make a comment, a review. That'd be fantastic. Helps us out in the uh, the ratings on iTunes. And tell your
1: friends, tell, tell your, your friends. colleagues. You know, that's right. Come listen to us periodically. <laughs>
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, thanks, Greg. Thanks, going. Rob. Talk to you later.